I pray that as we continue to go through this series on unity, I need you recognize that that as we develop these bonds and as we begin to 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 pull down some of our uh, walls that we've built up over the years, because a lot of times in the church people people don't want people to get too close to them. All right, I want them to know my business. When in actuality, when we look at Jesus and his boys, when we look at the early church, they did life together. And when, when one was hurting, all stepped in to help shepherd that person through that process. And so I'm telling you right now, we're after authentic community in this body. Can I get a witness? Now, listen to me carefully. If your flesh is sitting there saying, well, I don't want that. Or if your flesh is so prideful where it says, I don't need that. That's even worse because God created each one of us to need other human beings. And, and, and listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you, uh, I can look back over my life and there was a point in time that my pride wouldn't even let me take a gift when somebody wanted to give it to me. And some of y'all are there right now. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't do that. You know, and some, some people just don't know how to receive. I had, I had to learn how to receive. Okay, let me come to this side over here with your pride for self. When someone is trying to do something for you, are you the one that, oh, no, 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 no. I got it taken care of. I want to say, you know, our small group did something, and, and I didn't bring the picture today, but uh, uh, Brother Leroy Taylor, you know, uh, he's been uh, helping care for his, his lovely, beautiful, the sweetest woman I know. Uh, uh, as for, my wife is sweet, too, but I mean, I'm just... <laughs> Sister Carolyn Taylor, you know, she had brain surgery uh, uh, almost three years ago, I think, now. And Brother Leroy has been uh, her caregiver. And um, uh, I was just talking to Brother Leroy one day. I said, well, man, how, what can we do for you? How can we help you? And he, he just talked. And, you know, Leroy, he's a, he's a jack of all trades. He can do a lot of different things. And, you know, and he didn't really come out and say anything. We were just talking about them. Uh, we talked about leaves and that type thing. And. So the brothers decided that uh, we were going to go and just rake the leaves in this yard. I mean, it's, it's a big yard. And the leaves didn't look like they were a lot until we got there and started raking them. Anybody ever been there before? But I will tell you, uh, you know, it wasn't like, okay, as a matter of fact, I think Brother Leroy said, well, no, it's okay, you know, he, he'll take care of it. Uh, but we decided, let's just go do it. And one thing I've learned is stop asking folks, call me if you need me. Just go and do it. Hello? Just go and be a blessing. And I tell you, that was serving together, just, just that simple thing of raking, raking leaves in the yard and hauling them off. And uh, it, it did a lot of good to, for me and the brothers that went and did that, okay? Because we were just serving together and we helped the brother out. Because Leroy told us that it normally takes him doing it by himself four, maybe even five days to get all those leaves up. But I thank God for that. But, but authentic community means that we're, we're in connection together. doesn't mean that everybody's going to be perfect because none of us are. But developing that is something that we're, we, we, we're mindful of and we're teaching this because God wants us to enjoy the, the, the benefits of doing life together and encouraging one another. So y'all go with me to John, the 13th chapter. And we look at verse number 12. John, the 13th chapter, verse number 12. Be, Jesus built community by teaching people in groups both large and small, and his pattern for doing so included 
we're going to look at today demonstration because we talked about you know him going out selecting them. We, we talked about some other, you know, you have your outline uh, from uh, last week. We won't go over that. But on number five on that list was demonstration. Everybody say, show it. Sure. Say, show it. Sure. Too many Christians are talking the talk and not walking the walk. Can I repeat that again? Too many Christians are talking about this word that we're, we're going over consistently. But there needs to be some demonstration. There needs to be some action. We need to become doers of the word and not what? Hearers only, deceiving our own selves. So let's get to this text here. John, the 13th chapter, verse number 12. Now, guys, I got a lot of scripture to go to today, and, and I want to try to help us unpack what the Holy Bible is saying to us. I, 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 I love being a part of a ministry or a small group that, that, that takes the word of God and let the Holy Spirit reveal those gospel truths to us so that we can take them and hide them in our heart so that we may not sin against God. Amen? So we're going to go through some scripture today and pray after I get as far as I think I can get. And if I don't, we'll just stop where I am. Amen? Now, from the gospel according to St. John, look at what the text says. After washing their feet, who is, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand? Do you understand what I was doing? Next verse. Let's read. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. Next verse says, and since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to watch, wash each other's feet. Verse 15, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Next verse says this, uh, I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for talking about it. God will bless you for praying about it. God will bless you for, uh, for listening to Pastor Adams preach about it. No, it says God will bless you for what? Doing them. I think a, a few, few, few weeks or maybe a year or so back, we had a, a statement. We said the blessing is in the doing. I need to repeat that. We said the blessing is in the doing. So Jesus here, as this is a, a scenario that's coming up to the time when he was about to go to the cross of Calvary. And uh, we know that the, the, the boys, this is right before the, the, the communing of the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper. Uh, and Jesus uh, got up from uh, sitting and girded himself with a towel and began to, to perform a task that was reserved for the lowliest of servants. The task of washing feet. Now, how many of y'all know that washing feet is not necessarily a glamorous job, right? How many of y'all want somebody to wash your feet? If I told you right now, pull your feet, shoes off and come up here, we're going to get a pan and we're going to wash your feet. Somebody's like, oh, my toes all curl up. <laughs> no, no, my, my feet look like this. and Huh? You, you would probably get a little uncomfortable, wouldn't you? But, but what Jesus is saying here is, is as born-again believers... I want you to follow my example because, again, 
mind you, these boys uh, prior to this had been arguing about position in the kingdom. They were saying, Jesus, when you get there, you know, you know uh, one mother said, uh, let one son sit on one side and one on the other side. I think the, the sons of thunder, you know, they, they wanted to sit on the right hand and one on the left hand because they wanted a place of honor and what Jesus was trying to get his disciples and followers to understand is that if you're going to follow me, you have to learn how to serve others. Here I am, the master. Here I am, God, manifesting human flesh, yet I'm willing to gird myself, stoop down, and wash your feet. And I'm doing this to set an example for you. Everybody say the blessing is in the doing. So, so we, we're talking about demonstration here today. Demonstration. He showed them how to live, practicing prayer, turning the scriptures, teaching, serving, and sharing the gospel naturally and freely. He's saying, I want you to follow my example. Follow me as I follow Christ. And guys, that's what I will tell you uh, as your pastor. I, I want you to follow me as I follow Christ. If, if I'm telling you to do something, I need to be willing to do it myself. Are y'all with me today? If I tell you and I encourage you and I teach you what the Bible says about giving and tithes and offering, I should be willing to do that myself, right? And I'm going to say this, and, and, and please hear my heart. I just want you to know something, that one of the things that Maria and I made a commitment to do a long time ago, when we were in our 20s, we were living in West Monroe, Louisiana, had my first little old job, as a manager trainee at Washington National Bank in downtown Monroe. And we lived in West Monroe, Louisiana, and we made a covenant commitment to, to, to no matter how tight things got financially, we were going to be givers of tithes and offerings. Because we said that if God's word is true, and he says, give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over with men given to your bosom for with the same measure that you meet out, it'll be measured back unto you again. Then if that is true, then we're going to stand on that. No matter what it looks like, we're going to stand on that. We're going to make good quality financial decisions so that nothing will hinder us from being able to sow in the Lord. And I'm going to share this with you guys. And I don't say this, share this from a braggadocious standpoint. Maria and I sow north of $55,000 every year in this church. We don't make that much money. So that means that we're giving above the tithe. Because if I'm asking you to do something, i got to be willing to do it myself. Are y'all listening to me? And I'm not going to ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do. Jesus sets the example for his followers. And he says, he says, listen, I, I, I want you, he says, God will bless you for doing this. The blessing is in the doing. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Can, can y'all go with me today? Did I lose anybody? Are y'all still tracking with me? What I'm trying to tell you is, is that this thing is so serious and we're, we're in such a, a decadent time, a time of turmoil, a time of hatred, vitriol, and division that it is critically important that we as a church understand God's design for his church and stop getting sidetracked with all these little side issues that really don't have anything to do with eternity. And let's dig into the scriptures. Let's dig into the word. 
and say, we're going to be doers of that word and not hearers only. Are y'all willing to do that? How many of y'all believe, how many of y'all believe that the Bible is God's revealed word? How many of y'all believe that the word of God is true? How many of you know and believe that if we do the word, God can use us to do tremendous kingdom uh, 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 agenda processes here while we're here on earth? Can I get a witness? So, so, so watch, watch, watch. He showed them. Jesus saw to it that his disciples learned his way of living with God and with man. Because you got to live with God and with man. You got to live with God. Okay, look at me. We got to live with God and with people. As long as I got you, Jesus, I don't need nobody. Yes, you do. Now, you can sing that song, as long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else. But you actually do need somebody else. Because I need you, right? Because we are part of the covenant family of God, and you have giftings that I need, and I have giftings that you need in order to live a fulfilled Christian life. Can I get a witness? Are y'all with me today? But, 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 But doers of the word... There are too many people who are in the church listening, but are not applying in their everyday life. So let's go. We're going to walk through a couple of things here today uh, and, 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 and prayerfully, Lord, let us get as far as he needs us to get today. Okay. So let's talk about some examples because Jesus saw to it that his disciples learned his way of living with God and with the man. So first thing is he, 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 the practice of prayer is something that Jesus did. And he actually, amen, modeled that and showed his disciples how to do it. Let's go to Matthew, the sixth chapter, and we're going to begin reading at verse number nine. Matthew chapter six, verse number nine. Are y'all still tracking with me today? Now, listen, I, I, I want to be as honest and as transparent with you as I can possibly be. Because as your pastor, if, if I don't pray, then what, what does it look like me encouraging you to pray? If I tell you, okay, we're going we're gonna to meet for corporate prayer on Monday morning at 6 a.m., then, and I'm never on the corporate call, I'll just say, well, that's for y'all folks. That's for y'all, that's for you peasants. <laughs> you know, there are some pastors who have a high, who have a mindset that, that, that's, that, that really God's going to deal with them because of it. I'm here to tell you, I am no greater than anybody in here. Are you with me? We are all one in the body of Christ. Now, understand, I, uh, listen, I do understand respecting positions and authority in the church, but, but I, I will never, listen to me, I will never uh, uh, think of myself as more than anybody else. I am God's servant just doing what he called me to do. But I'm going to do it to the best of my ability, okay? So if, while I'm doing it to the best of my ability, and while we're going through the word and, and seeing what God's word says, I will challenge every last one of us in here to be doers of this word. So now when I challenge you, don't get mad at me for challenging you. Because that's what the pastor should do, feed you with wisdom and knowledge on high, right? Now watch the text, okay? Uh, as a matter of fact, can we, uh, can we um, back up just for a little... Um, Verse five, go to verse five with him right quick. You know, there, there was, Jesus oftentimes would be praying and in and, and another, the writer's account of this, whilst, while seeing and observing Jesus is praying, they asked him, Lord, teach us how to pray. 
teach us how to pray. And here Jesus began to, uh, to do this. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to do what? Pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. What's that reward? People say, oh, he sure can pray good. Oh, listen to, oh, he can rhyme it and dime it. Man, he had the hair on the back of my neck standing up. Boy, let's call on him to pray. And see, when you start feeding on that, if, if you're looking for the applause of men when you're singing, when you're praying or doing anything, and you're looking for the applause of men, and that's why you're doing it, that's your reward right there is what Jesus said. Don't look to get any reward from, from God because you're doing it for the applause and the appreciation for men. When you should be doing it for the glory of God. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. Next verse. Let's read it, guys. Come on, let's go. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to the Father. What? Now, understand something here. This is not saying that public prayer is incorrect. What he's dealing with here is, is a mindset and the pharisaical mindset that was pervasive during this time. These Pharisees love to be seen of men. And what he's dealing with right there is that attitude. There is a place for public prayer, okay? Now watch, he says, says, then your father who sees everything will reward you. Let's, let's keep moving. Text says this. When you pray, don't babble on and on <laughs> as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again, just babbling on and on and on and on. Now, listen, we do have some intercessors, and intercessors, intercessors pray longer than I can. People who have the gift of intercessor can go a long time. Amen. I remember when there was, there was a period, we had some, some, some ladies who would come up on a Saturday morning, and they would just intercede and pray on behalf of the church, and they would, they would pray a long time. <laughs> Longevity and prayer, they were not just repeating stuff over and over, just nameless, uh, fruitless babbling, but they were actually praying and intercede. My wife is an intercessor. She can pray a long time. <laughs> Longer than I can, okay? But, but intercessors, this is not what, it, they're not talking about intercessors who have the, 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 the gift of, of that intercessory prayer. He's talking about people who were doing these rituals, this ritualistic stuff that had no depthness or no meaning. No authenticity whatsoever, and they would just do that to be seen of men, okay? When you pray, don't babble on as other people, other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Let's, co- let's keep going. It says, don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask. Next verse says what? Pray like this, our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's go to the KJV. I love the KJV. How many of y'all love the KJV version of this? Let's go to the KJV on this. I love this. Uh, our, can, can y'all repeat it? Most of you know it. Our Father. Come on, who are in heaven? Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Yeah, you can look it up there. Come on. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, now, now guys, listen to this. I, I share with you that, that, that in the days of our Lord Jesus Christ's time here on earth, and I, this is a while back, there were no printing presses. 
no overabundance of books that were available for people to read. And for this reason, it was customary for rabbis to give their disciples a collection of, of, of a collection of brief sentences, reminders, which would trigger what they were to remember. Are y'all with me today? They were called index sentences. Everybody say index sentences. And, and they would be used to lead their students deeper into important subject areas. And many scholars believe that the Lord's prayer was given to the disciples as a list of index sentences. Each one in and of itself a topic for prayer. By using this pattern, guys, you'll discover that whether you have 10 minutes or an hour for prayer, you'll be able to cover the variety of subjects which Jesus teaches are vital to communication with God. This model can help us to become more comprehensive and balanced in our prayers. Uh, so in fact, the, 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 let's look at these six index sentences and, and, and we'll unpack those and, and hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll get to the next point. But if we don't, I need you to hear this today. Because how many of y'all have ever felt like your prayer life was not being very effective? You know, and I, and I kind of grew up in, in uh, and I've, I've always thought this way before I learned better. I used to say, well, you know, God knows your heart, and so just do the best you can, uh, you know, and just, just pray however you need to pray. Well, why would Jesus show them how to pray if we can just pray however we want to pray? You ever thought about that? Why is it that Jesus took time to instruct his disciples and his followers how to pray if we just do it and just bless your heart, God just, listen, if, if a person doesn't know any better, that's one thing. But, but once you become saved and you are part of a local assembly, you are required, and it, it is, if you're going to grow and be a disciple, you have to interject yourself into the disciple's training process for that church that you are part of. And don't remain an unlearned Christian for the next 20 years. I, I submit to you, I believe that some of the the trouble that we're having in our churches today is because we have too many spiritual babies in the church. I mean, 55 years old, but a baby. 70 years old, still stuck in the bottle. Crying. Cussing folk out. Gossiping. Unwilling to learn. Going to do it their way, regardless of what you say. When I'm telling you, God says, I have a pattern and I have a way for us doing it. Look at these six index sentences or topics for prayer. Number one, we look at, we're going to look at worship. We're going to look at allegiance. We're going to look at submission. We're going to look at petition, confession, and deliverance. Can y'all repeat We say worship, allegiance, submission, petition, confession, and deliverance. Now, now go, with, go with me to John, the 16th chapter, verse number 17. Go to John 16, verse number 17. Here's, here's what I'm going to tell you. Because if if it's all about just your heart being right and, and God sees your heart, then why, my question to you is, why did Jesus teach him how to pray? And why does he say what he's going to say here in, in, in the gospel according to St. John, the 16th chapter? And we're going to begin our reading at verse number 17. Watch what he says here. Because I had to correct myself on how I prayed. Look at the text. Some of the disciples asked each other, what does he mean when he says, in a little while, you won't see me, but then you will see me. And I am going to the Father. They're talking about Jesus. Let's keep reading. 
text says his next verse. And what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand. How many of y'all know that the disciples oftentimes didn't understand? And they were walking with the master and they didn't understand some of the things that he was saying. Because guys, let me tell you something. Revelation knowledge comes from Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. And we got to make sure that we are depending on the Holy Spirit for our wisdom and our understanding. Yeah, go to school, but there are some things that school won't teach you. There are some things that seminary can't unlock for you. It's the Holy Ghost that gives you revelation knowledge. Watch the text now. Jesus realized they wanted to ask him about it. So he said, are you asking yourselves what I meant? How many of y'all know when Jesus asks you a question, he already knows the answer to the question before he ever asks you. I told y'all that a, 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 few, a few years back. When Jesus asks a question or when God asks you a question, it's kind of like your mama. Sometimes your mama already know the answer to the question before they ask. They want to see if you're going to lie. Hello? It's kind of like that wife who already looked at your text message, who already looked at your call log, didn't tell you she looked at it, and they're going to ask you, when the last time you talked to uh, Sarah? Oh, uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, you know, it's, 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 it's been, uh, man, it's been, oh, it's been almost a year since I talked to Sarah. And then she looked at your call log, you talk to her every day. <laughs> but you didn't tell your wife. You talked... Oh, am I, am, I, am I getting at somebody's house right now? You didn't tell your wife that you were talking to Sarah every day. So why didn't you tell her you were talking to Sarah every day? And why did she lie when the last time you talked to her, you told her it's been over a year, but she, looked, she already looked at your caller. She's asking you the question. She already knows the answer to the question before she asks it, but she wants to see if you're going to lie about it. And if you're lying about it, why are you lying about your conversation with Sarah? Oh, I just hit somebody. I don't know who that was, but that God just told you that's your warning sign. Get out of it. I'm neither prophet, neither the son of a prophet, but I believe that was a that was a off that was a rabbit trail that I went down. Didn't know why I was going down it, but I went down it and it killed the rabbit for somebody up here. Get out of it. I don't know who that's for, but you better get out of it because God says, I, in order to save you from yourself, I'm willing to step back and let the cover be pulled off your stuff. I'm not going to pull it off, but I'm just going to step back from you. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I gave the warning like you told me. I know they're going to keep on going, thinking they can keep hiding it, but you're going to reveal it if they don't get out of it. Now, if, 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 if we were in total transparency, I probably could find two guys or at least three guys in here right now and say, Pastor, I know what you're talking about. I've been through it. <laughs> but I'm not going to put you on blast like that. Just know that the Holy Ghost just said it, okay? Can we keep going? Are y'all still friends with me? All right. Jesus realized they wanted to ask him about it. So he said, are you asking yourself what I meant? I said, in a little while, you won't see me, but a little while after that, you will see me again. Next verse, let's go. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to what? Wonderful joy. Y'all, in case you've been, been sleeping somewhere, he's talking about his impending crucifixion. He's talking about the fact that he is going to rise from the grave. 
How many of you know Jesus didn't, life wasn't taken from him. He laid it down. And if he laid it down, he can pick it back up again. Can I get a witness? We serve an awesome God. So he's forecasting and prophesying what's going to happen. I tell the truth, you will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will agree, but your grief will be suddenly turned to wonderful joy. Let's keep going. Watch it. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. How many of y'all had a, a child? Okay. When a child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. All those birth pains, all those, you know, getting up late at night, your back hurting and all that stuff. And then, you know, and you're going through those pains, anguish. But then once the child comes, smiles all over the place, right? So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. Now keep going. At that time, you won't need to ask, watch this, at that time, what time? At the time after his resurrection. In the KJV says, in that day you shall ask me nothing. I want to ask you a question. How many of y'all been praying to Jesus? What did Jesus just tell his disciples? In that day, what day? The day after his resurrection, once their sorrow has been turned to joy, once they see the resurrected Christ, he says, at that day you shall ask me nothing. Talking about process, talking about God's order, talking about God's example. At that time, you won't need to ask me anything. If I tell you the truth, you will do what? Ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request because you what? So, guys, here's here's a little tidbit. You just want to make a mental note of it. Since the resurrection of the Savior from that that tomb on that Thursday morning, as followers of Christ, we go to the Father in the name of Jesus. We don't pray to Jesus. We pray to the Father in his name. Well, Pastor, I thought you said three and one. I'm talking about God's order. And quit trying to figure out God's order. Just trust God's order. Jesus says, don't pray to me. In that day, once I resurrect from the grave, you're not going to pray to me. You're going to pray to the Father in my name. Everybody say demonstration. demonstration. Say, I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly and he will grant you your request because you use my name. Let's go. Keep, come on. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. Let's go, guys. Come on. I have spoken of these matters in figures of speech. But soon I'm going to stop speaking figuratively and will tell you plainly all about the Father. Let's keep going, guys. He says this, then you will ask what? So who, who are they asking to? Going to God the Father in the name of Jesus. Are you with me today? Then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. Watch this. Yes, I came from the Father into the world, and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. Watch this. Then his disciples says, at, at, at last, you're speaking plainly and not figuratively. Watch what he says. Because parables kind of tripped them up a little bit, you know? Watch what he says. Now, now we understand that you know everything. Now we understand that you know everything, and there's no need to question you. Now, guys, don't you miss this. Don't you dare miss this. Here these boys are following with Jesus, walking with him, seeing him perform miracles, but they were questioning him. 
Now, I know some of y'all say, well, if I've been down there and I saw Jesus, if I saw Jesus pull fish out of the fish and bread out of bread and feed 5,000 beside the women too, I know I'd believe. No, you wouldn't. If I saw Jesus raise somebody from the dead, man, I, I know I would never doubt. These boys were with him. What does the Bible say? Now, now we understand that you know everything and there's no need to question you. These boys were questioning Jesus, the Messiah. From this we believe, from this we believe that you came from God. Next verse, Jesus asked, do you finally believe? You've been walking with me. You've been seeing what God is doing. Do you finally believe? Verse number 32 and 33. But the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. Verse 33, let's read it. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Where does your peace lie? See, many of y'all are trying to get peace from the world. And the world can't give you the type of peace that Jesus Christ can give you. He said here, I have told you all this so that you may have peace. Where? In me. Talking about Jesus. If you're trying to get, gain peace because of your financial stability, let me tell you something. The, the world has a way of, of sapping up all of your finances. The stock market could crash today. And all of your, your stocks and bonds could, could, could drop in value. It could be like the Great Depression. Y'all better study your history. Don't try to change the history. Study it. Boy, it, it it's, it's, it's amazing to me. Do you ever wonder why Jesus constantly told the, the, the Israelites, thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee the power to get wealth. Do you ever wonder why Jesus kept constantly reminding the Israelites to teach the generation behind them what he had done for them when they were down in slavery in Egypt? Have you ever wondered why God constantly tells them, remind them, remind them, remind them, because we soon forget. When God starts prospering us, we forget that it was the Lord that gave us the ability to have the sense to go to school and get that degree to open the job for the opportunities for us to make the money we make it. And now we say, it's my money. And I can't honor you with it, God. Because truly, I don't really trust you in that area. <sighs> I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Baby, let me tell you something. I don't care who's president of these United States of America. I'm going to be in peace. Why are you tripping? Well, the Democrat in there, it's going to be, it's going to be, I'm again. Well, the Republicans are in there. Oh, we ain't going to make it. Are you asinine? I serve the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the God who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all I can ask or think according to the power that works in me. I ain't scared of nobody. I've prospered in the Lord under Democrats, and I've prospered in the Lord under Republicans. Whether it's a Democrat, Republican, Independent, Green Party, that's not where my peace lies. So why are we as Christians all bent out of shape thinking the world is going to end? If it ends, it ends because Jesus said it's going to end. And this stuff that happens, you know, people running away from the truth of God's word and, and redefining what, what, what a person, what a man or a woman is and redefining what marriage is, that don't surprise me. And it's not anything new. It was happening back 
in Sodom and Gomorrah before Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible says in the last days these things are going to happen. So I'm just seeing prophecy fulfilled. As a matter of fact, it gives me encouragement because I see the Bible coming to pass. So where's your peace lie? Does it lie in the political party? Does it lie in your family? Or does it lie in Jesus? Oh, I didn't mean to go here, guys. But somebody needs some peace today. I told you all this so that you may have peace in me. <laughs> here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus says, I've overcome the world. So look at these six indexes because he gave these so that they could remember. Because remember, you know, books were not in, 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 in abundant supply. Now, understand this, too. Also, when Jesus is talking to the disciples, they didn't have the New Testament. They had the Old Testament. Right? But everybody didn't have one of those. It wasn't like you just go to the local bookstore <laughs> and buy you the Old Testament. Alright? So they gave these index sentences to help. So let's, let's look at the first one, worship. Everybody say worship. Alright. He says, we start the case. He says, our Father who, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. This, the, the first index sentence lays the foundation for everything else that follows. It calls us into the presence of of the one who alone is worthy of our praise and our adoration. No denomination is worthy of your praise and adoration. No man, no pastor, no priest, no bishop is worthy of your praise and adoration. That's reserved strictly for God. Do you hear me? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Praise and adoration is reserved strictly for him. Can I get a witness? Remember I told you on numerous occasions that God's ultimate purpose is to bring you and I into his presence. God wants us in his presence. Listen, I don't care how much you messed up. I don't care how many times you fell down. God wants relationship with you. Are you with me today? Worship brings us before the sovereign God who can meet our needs and satisfy the deepest longings of our heart. Now, again, worship is more than just singing songs. Worship is a lifestyle. It's what we learn and we teach in new members class. It's a lifestyle. As a matter of fact, Romans 12, the one I quote quite often, go to Romans 12, chapter verse 1 and 2. I know y'all have heard it before, but I need you to hear it again for the first time. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. I told you we're going to unpack scripture today. Man, I don't know why my time goes like this. I'm afraid I'm not even going to get through these. <laughs> Jeff, say you're not. I, I know. I, I keep trying to fool me. But, but have I said something to help anybody? First of all, who we pray to? God. No, somebody missed it. We pray to God the Father in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus doesn't mean you just say, in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, I need me a wife. And John's wife is fine. She looks beautiful. And so, Lord, I pray right now that you allow John's wife to leave him so I can marry her in the name of Jesus. That ain't. In the name of Jesus means according to his word, according to his will. So I got to, if I'm praying, if, if it's, as a matter of fact, Scripture says this over in, I think it's, one of the, the John says, if I ask it, if I pray according to his will, if I, he, he heareth me. 
Now, the word heareth me means that, that he agrees with me. God hears everything. I said everything. How many of you know God hears everything? He heard that statement you made last night. To yourself or to somebody else that was not God on it, he heard that. But when he says hear, he heareth me, means that he agrees with me. And if God agrees with me, that means that what I'm saying matches his will. Because if I pray according to his will, I have the desires in my heart. I hope I'm helping somebody. So we pray to God the Father in the name of Jesus, and we pray according to his will. Well, how can I pray according to his will when I don't know what his will is? Because the Barna group tells us fully 75 and 80% of the Christians don't really have a personal quiet time in the Lord. I mean, you come to church, you listen to me, you don't even sign for the class, but 80% of Christians aren't, don't, don't really spend a whole lot of time in the Bible. So I'm not sure how many, maybe it's maybe 150, maybe, I don't know how many in here today. And I'm not sure how many listen via live stream. But let's just say this. There's, there's 200 in here. So, okay, math geniuses. All right, there's 200 people in here. Let's just say it's 200 people. How many, how much is 80%? Quick, 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 80%. 160. So you do it, you do it on 100, 80, 80, just double it. Okay. So that means 160 people in here don't really ever spend any quality time trying to search God out in the scripture. I'm not saying you're not, when you die, if you die, you're going to heaven. And you, and you, and, and you love, you love people, you love God, but you're not loving him enough to spend time with him. Because if in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the word became flesh, but I'm a man. So if I'm going to spend time with Jesus Christ, I can't see Jesus. He's sitting on the right hand of the father, but his word is, 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 is him. He manifests himself through his word. And so learning how to get into the word of God and to understand how to study the Bible is very, is paramount to our discipleship growth, okay? Can I keep going? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Next verse says what? And be not conformed to this world. Don't be like this world system. Don't do life the way the world does life. The world system. In other words, the world is anything that's outside of kingdom agenda. Kingdom agenda, kingdom of God is God's way of doing things. We should be about searching how to do things God's way. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind that you may what? Prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Next verse. Verse 3 says what? For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more high than he ought, but think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. The measure of faith. Go back, go back to verse, verse 2 with me right quick. Again, it says, be transformed by renewing your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Go to the NLT. Go to the NLT on that. I like the way the NLT says it. Give us, give us, give us the the, 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 the mindset that we need to have. Don't copy the behavior and custom of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by doing what? Changing the way you think. 
I'm here to tell you unapologetically as your pastor, I'm trying to change your mind. The stuff that you grew up with that's not godly, we want to clean it up. Don't copy the behavior because in the world, but let God transform you into a new person by doing what? Changing the way you think. If God, if you don't allow God to, uh, to, 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 to have your thoughts, if you, don't, if you don't submit your thoughts to God, then, then you're not going to be positioned for God to use you like he wants to use you. He says, let God transform you to a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and what? And it's perfect. Okay? All right. So let's get back. Can we get back? All right. So uh, worship brings us before the sovereign God who can meet our needs and satisfy the deepest longings of our hearts. When you think about it, worship is the act of looking at God's word in order to focus on who God is. We, we, we're doing this study of the real God now. We need to know who God is because we can't properly relate to him if we don't know who he is. So we have all kinds of misconceptions that have been formulated over the years, some doctrine good, some not so good. So God says, look into the holy text and let me show, I'm showing you who I am in my holy word. The word of God gives us the perfect revelation of who he is, making worship the basis of all true prayer. Because that's really the truth of the way to worship him, by, by, by giving our bodies to him, okay? Romans 12 and 1 says that. Uh, so what is our relationship to God to the God whom we worship, it's that of a child to his father. Can you imagine calling Jehovah the self-existent sovereign God father? Now understand this, understand this context to the Old Testament Jews, calling God father would have been unthinkable. So with the very first two words of his prayer, Jesus introduced a shocking new concept. These guys who, who were Jewish by nation, majority of them, they would never dream of calling him father. Where is Effie Thompson? Is Effie here today? I, Effie, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not picking on you, but I'm just gonna bring out something that you that you say on, on when corporate prayer time. I, I think of Effie when I think of Father as a term of endearment. When Effie begins to pray, she says, "Good morning, Daddy God." I'm like, "Ooh, good morning, Daddy God." And 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 that's 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 what God because most of us grew up. Grew up with the mindset and the concept that God is there. He's this big, mean being, and he wants to smack us, just waiting for us to mess up so he can crucify us. Now, God is a God of judgment, but that's not, his total, that's, that's not the totality of his character. He's a father. That, 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 that implies intimacy. Can I get a witness? So with the very first words, Jesus introduced this shocking new concept, our father. Those words open up a whole new realm of intimacy, an intimacy that most of Israel never ventured into. The pattern begins with worship, for worship is the cornerstone that sets the foundation for effective prayer. In many churches, guys, and many prayer closets, worship is, is the missing spark that, that can ignite some, some of these cold, uh, undevoted hearts that we find in the church. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you all this. And listen to me carefully. As your pastoral leader, I love every last one of you. I promise you I do. Uh, and God sent me here 32 years ago at the ripe old age of 25 to, to, to shepherd this church. All I know to do is to, is to see what God's word says and, and let's do it that way. I'm not, I, I just tell you, I'm not big into 
Now, don't take this the wrong way. If that's your thing, cool. All right. But there's a lot of protocol. There's a lot of uh, rituals and traditions that that I grew up on. You grew up in, and and tradition is okay as long as it doesn't violate the Holy Scripture. And you have to be careful because what'll happen is it'll be sort of like when Jesus told those 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 folks who those those Pharisees and those Sadducees, he says, your traditions have made the word of God of non-effect. Your traditions, basically, what he says is, tradition is such a strong thing that it, it'll cause you not to follow God because you've been doing it this way this long and you can't see doing it any other way than what you've always done it. It's kind of like the company, I told you before, that made eight-track tapes, and that's all they wanted to do. We're not going to go to these newfangled cassette tapes. We're not going to go to these newfangled compact discs. And we're not going to change. We're going to stay making eight-track tapes. How many of y'all got a car with an eight-track tape? Did anybody have a car with an eight? I know you didn't buy one in the 1990s with one. Do y'all even know what an eight-track tape is? Can I, can, I, can I come over here? Uh, can, I, can I get a, a middle school or a high school? Do you know what an eight-track tape is? Go look it up. Hey, Google it. But because we refuse to change, the message of the gospel will never change. It's Jesus Christ, him crucified, buried, resurrected from the grave, his blood that washed away our sin, and we receive that sacrificial death as a way to get to God, then we can have a relationship with God. That never changes, but how we reach people and how we do ministry has to change. Jesus changed it. Jesus grew up very much Jewish, but then he began to talk some stuff that went against the Jewish traditions. Hello? Jesus. Oh, Jesus. We just caught this woman in active adultery. The law of Moses says stoner. What you got to say about Jesus? Joe Johnson. October the 5th, 2022. You're over Shandrika's house. She's not your wife. And you were engaged in sexual intercourse with her. Raymond, Raymond Jones. 11. I don't know what Jesus was writing. But whatever he was writing on that ground, he says, he that was out sin, let him cast the first stone. And when he got through writing, (laughs) woman, where are thy accusers? I got to believe this. This is, you don't have to accept this. This is doorology. I got to believe because Jesus oftentimes would confront the Pharisees for getting on folks for not doing stuff or doing something that they were doing themselves. They were hypocritical. So I got to believe in my Noah of Noah that he... He knows everything. And when he says, he that without sin, let him cast the first stone. Don't you think Jesus knew that all of them had sinned? And I think he knew that, that, that how, did they know, how did they catch her in the very act of adultery? 
So you don't have to accept it, but I believe Jesus is kind of writing those individual adulterous situations that they, they were in. And every one of those cats crept out of that room, didn't say a word. I said, go, go and sin no more. Now, he's showing grace. And there are things that were done under the Judaism that Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of that type system that was designed to bring them up to grace. Some of us, God, God may have, 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 have had to put training wheels on you to bring you up to a point, but stop going to get off the training wheel and start riding the bike. Oh, I want my training wheels because I had training wheels all my life. So if the training wheels are preventing you from moving as fast with the Lord as you need to, take the truth. I'm, I'm okay with tradition as long as tradition doesn't violate God's word and as long as tradition doesn't hinder you from reaching people with the gospel. I'm going to say this, and I tell you, I, would, I got to one. I got to do better. I understand that. Will y'all please pray for me? But, that, but the, guys, here's what happens to me. I'm, I don't know about anybody else. And, and you all, the, the teacher, preacher, know this. I, I, I get the luxury of, of, of keep coming back Sunday after Sunday. But if you're a guest, you got to kind of, like Sunday night, I couldn't do a series at, Bro- at, at Brookwood. So y'all notice I, I finished in about 40, 45 minutes, didn't I? Yes. <laughs> but here, we get, to, we, we get to unpack stuff. Because while I'm talking, the Holy Spirit will say, say that. I don't know why he's saying say that. All I know is he knows every last one of us in here. And I promise you, when I said what I said about the phone, some of y'all have been arguing about the phones. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. If your spouse will not give you their, and I'm, I'm a, I'm a, some of y'all will go home and argue about this right now. If your spouse won't give you their, their code to their phone, there's a dead cat on the line somewhere. Y'all know what that means? Somebody is into something they're hiding. It may be pornography. It may be that, that brother that she is communicating with, because women are stealth when they do that kind of stuff. Guys are kind of on the slow side. <laughs> but a woman can be into something that she shouldn't be into. Now, listen, I'm trying to help somebody. And dude won't even know it. But my point is this. If, <laughs> why are y'all looking at me like that? I'm talking to you in reality. Because in the church, we don't like to talk reality. Oh, no, don't talk about that. But I promise you there are, there are Christian couples, stats back me up, that are having problems in their marriage. Adultery has been a problem in the church. But we can't talk about that. We are Christian. We better talk about it and we better teach on it so we can stop some of this stuff. Can I help somebody today? All right. And listen, if hear me carefully. If you messed up, Fess up, ask God to forgive you, pray that the person that you in covenant relationship with you will, 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 will choose a restored relationship, and let's get strong. Come learn how to do marriage the right way. Next time we have a marriage retreat, quit talking about, well, I don't need that. I've been married 25 years. See, you've been married 25 years, and just, you're just coasting right along. See, that's what the devil likes you to think. You don't need it. Anytime we become so arrogant and high-minded that we don't need what the Word of God says about any subject, the Bible says, take heed lest you fall. 
Can't tell the number of folks who things like they were going on and people couldn't believe that that happened to that couple. Couldn't believe that it happened to that minister. So I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you about Dole Adams. I don't trust my flesh. And you better not trust yours. Because when the right scenario comes around at the right time, in the right mood, and the right song is playing, <laughs> that thing that you said you would never do, because you haven't been reading your Bible, you got away from the Lord, you're not renewing your mind, so the enemy comes in and begins to play with you, and, 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 and dude had been talking to you, husband had been talking to you, his conversation is... is was strong when he was trying to get you, but now he's gotten you. He don't, he don't really tear, share anything. So now all of a sudden, the guy at work is talking to you. He's listening to you. He's telling you, man, that's a beautiful dress you have on. You know what? Gosh, I just, you know, if I had somebody like you, man, my life would be fulfilled. Your husband hadn't told you that in 25 years. Now all of a sudden, your interest picks up. Not that you were looking for it. Then all of a sudden... Y'all figure out a way to bump into each other in the break room. Now, y'all, I'm closing my sermon, but I don't know why I'm saying this, but somebody needs to hear this. Because too many, too many Christians are falling. And it's, it's, it's more than just adultery. God, it's a whole, that's a whole lot of unforgiveness that's going on. There's a lot of racism. There's a lot of whole bunch of sin. It's sin. Everybody say sin. The problem with us as Christians, we like to focus on one kind of sin. Oh, the sin of homosexuality. What about the sin of, of lusting? What about the sin of, of, of premarital sex? What about the sin of unforgiveness? So sin stinks in the nostril of God. And I'm out of time. But I will trust that you will hear me. I will unpack these on next week. Worship is the first one. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. No other name is hallowed except the name of God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son. They are, they are who we worship. Not man, not denomination, not a political party, not your mama, not your daddy, but God the Father and his Son who's seated on his right hand. He gave his life for us. Let's live for him. Get a Lord a hand of praise.